listening to Wake Up Call. People's stories about how they overcame their fears to live their best life. I'm your host, Christina Previtt. If we haven't met before, I was a divorce lawyer in New Jersey for 15 years. I'm currently the CEO and co-owner of New Jersey Divorce Solutions, a divorce law firm located in Edison, New Jersey. My guest today is Kristen David. And just in case she needs an introduction, Kristen is an attorney by trade. After building her own law firm and doubling revenue numerous times, Kristen sold her law firm and began coaching to teach other lawyers how to run their law firms like a business. Now she's the founder of the Kristen David, up-leveling your business. She helps business owners build thriving, profitable businesses that are self-managed. Kristen is here to talk about her incredible evolution and maybe share a few things about how to run your business. And I just found out last night that her book just made the number one bestseller spot for small business books. You can find it on Amazon. It's titled Uplevel Your Business up-level your life, four pillars of successful business management. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you. Excited to be here this morning. Well, I'm excited to have you because I'll just let our listeners know that I met you because I was a member, I'm still a member of the consulting group where you were a coach, and I've known you a few years now. And I've always been dying to just ask you a million personal questions, and now I get to do it. Excellent. Excellent. So, so brace yourself. Um, so, I'm ready. So congratulations on the book. That's exciting. Thank you. It is amazing how quickly things can transform. It just, uh, in such small amounts of bursts of time, uh, things just take off and explode. Yeah, you and I were uh, emailing each other last night and commenting about that. And I know that you've you've been sort of part of the personal development coaching circuit, like David Nagel and people like that. And um, mm-hmm. there's something he always talks about, how you, it doesn't have to take you a long time to be a success, whatever that means to, to you. Everyone's idea of success is different. It's not always about money. And you said something interesting. You said something to the effect that it's interesting how life just kind of propels you forward, right? And I said, that's desire. <laughs> it is. It is burning desire. Napoleon Hill said it best. That's right. Um, you know, get clear on your goals and what you want to see happen in your life. And then you just start taking action to get yourself there. And uh, life will pick you up and carry you forward. So I want to go back to before you were a coach. And I don't exactly know what your experience was when you were a law firm owner. I know from my own experience that I was a lawyer. I worked for someone else. I never had to worry about the business aspect of the law firm. I just sat at my desk and I practiced law. That's what I did. And that's what I knew how to do. And then when I left that firm and I started my own firm, it really, it sounds so funny now, but it never occurred to me that I was becoming a business owner and that I was going to not just have to practice law, but I was going to have to learn how to run a business. And I really did struggle with that for a while. And I know that there are plenty of other lawyers out there that, um, or whatever you do, whatever your profession is, when you actually go out on your own and hang a shingle, I think it's sort of um, a wake-up call to people that 
I, I can't just sit here and practice law or do accounting or, or bake or whatever mm-hmm. your thing is. I have to know how to run a business or this is not going to succeed. Was there ever a time where you sort of had that wake-up call when you had your own firm? Oh, absolutely. I, was, I used to be a slave to my business. I was working 85 hours a week. Um, I'd be the first one in the office, the last to leave. And, and it was exhausting. I mean, I was a great trial lawyer. I defended lawyers in legal malpractice cases. I defended doctors, surgeons, dentists in medical malpractice cases. I, I mean, I loved what I did as a lawyer. But the running of the business part was just simply, it, it was it was a juggle. I, I just didn't know how to balance all this stuff. And I knew there just had to be a better way. There had to be a better way. And that was that was my part of my wake up call was was recognizing I, I never learned anything in law school about how to run a business. I never learned how to manage my staff. And we were struggling. And, and it wasn't it wasn't fun to not take home enough money. It wasn't fun to work every other weekend or almost every weekend for many years. It, it just, it was, it was not the life I knew I wanted to live. Was there ever a time when you just decided or considered just folding, folding it in, going back to work <laughs> for someone else? Yes. I think as a business owner, we all have had those days. Um, and even, so my journey really began when I, I, I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. There has to be a better way. I started looking at business classes and other classes. I found a consultant. Um, I worked with How to Manage a Small Law Firm, uh, which R. John Robbins and his team has done an amazing job over the years. I was fortunate to be part of that team for many years. Um, but in the beginning, when I was still just running my law firm, I had to sit down and write a business plan, and that is what allowed me to double my revenues. I went from $35,000 a month to 70000 a month in nine months. That's I, incredible. I hired, some people. I, I, I hired people. I fired people. Um, you know, most business owners, we, we have never been taught how to hire and find the right employees, and it becomes very frustrating when... We hire someone and it turns out they're not the right fit, and that's on us. But that's why I'm so passionate about helping people now because it's not that hard. It's just that when no one's ever taught us this stuff, it's, it's foreign, and we don't understand it. It's a skill. So, it's something you can learn. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yes, I doubled my business in nine months. I reworked my business plan, doubled my revenues again over the next nine months, up over that seven-figure mark. And all of a sudden, I finally could start taking vacations. Uh, I learned how to, and this would be the key that I would, I would say to every business owner out there, sooner rather than later, Start systematizing everything in your business. Write down how to do all the things you want done. That way you can hand them off to other people. That's what allowed me to start taking vacations. 
that's what allowed me to be able to double my business. I hear a lot of people say, oh, well, I don't really need that right now. I'm small. We don't need that. And mm-hmm. I always heard coaches like you say, you really need to have the systems in place before you get bigger. And I don't think I really understood that until I myself made that mistake. We grew and we really didn't have solid systems in place. And it was a bit chaotic. And it was harder mm-hmm. to implement all of those systems with people that were working for us that had already gotten used to the chaos and you, you kind of had to, you know, reacclimate them to, well, this is how we're going to do things now. So can you speak to that? Because that's a huge mistake that I see people make. Absolutely. I mean, I've done uh, bunches of workshops on policies and procedures to help business owners really put this stuff together because it's so much easier to do it when it's a small team because once, like you said, once people get acclimated to the way things work in the office, whether it's chaotic or, or just kind of the way they figured out how to do it, and then you come in and you say, okay, we want more structure, we want you to do it this way, people kind of prickle up. They think, goodness, maybe maybe I'm doing it wrong or maybe somebody doesn't like the way I'm doing it. And And it's not that. We're just trying to create a system, but you have to be – much more cautious in how you roll it out if you already have a big team. So, you know, hey, Christina, you, you, you and I have worked together a bunch, like you said, and I know that you've done this in your business, I've done it in my business, and it, it sometimes only takes five to ten minutes just to write down a few notes on, okay, here are the four steps. Here's, here's how I want it done. And that's how it starts. It starts with just a few words getting clarity of what you want. That way, when you assign a task to someone else, voila, it's, you know, it's easy to roll over to someone else. Yeah, I think that we, as business owners, we tend to start to feel overwhelmed with all the things that we have to do, especially if, for instance, with a law firm, you're practicing law, and then you're running Mm -hmm. the business, you're doing both. So you feel overwhelmed with all of that. And then when someone like you comes along and says, you really need to have your policies and procedures written, my head just explodes. And I'm like, really, Kristen? How (laughs) did you look at my calendar and tell me where I'm going to do that? (laughs) So, so let me share. Let me share for you and, and your whole audience the secret sauce. The secret sauce is when you're explaining what you want done to somebody on your team. Have them document it or record it. There's so many great audio recordings like Rev.com or or so many different ones, and you just use the power of your verbal explanation to now become the base of that policy and procedure. You explain to a new staff member, this is what I want to accomplish overall, and here's why it's important to the business. That's your policy. And then you start saying, step one, do this. Step two, do that. Step three. And next thing you know, your policy and procedure is 85% written. So there's the secret sauce. I never thought about it that way, but you're absolutely right. We we already do have policies and procedures. They're just not in writing. They're in your head and mm-hmm. they're, you know, in the ether because you've told people do it this way, do it that way, but it's just not in writing. So when you put it that way, it doesn't sound quite as overwhelming. So just write down what you've already told everybody how they mm-hmm. should do things. Yeah. You're brilliant. That's why you're the coach. So I know that... <laughs> 
I know Arjan has always preached that personal development precedes professional development. Do you agree with that? Absolutely, yes. I spend, I mean, over the years, I spend fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 a year on personal development. I have since, uh, well, for at least for the last 10 years, uh, once I really started building my business, growing it, I realized that the person I was becoming was evolving. Uh, I learned that I would no longer tolerate the things I used to tolerate. And that took some adjustment for me personally uh, to understand that and understand where that came from. Uh, but it also helped me, all this professional development and personal development helped me become a better leader for my team, I think. And, and that's one of the greatest joys of being a business owner. When you're no longer in the trenches doing everything yourself and you can have a great team and lead them and allow them to help you get things done each and every day. Well, you, you've sent the word lead a few times already, and I actually had a question for you because I've read a lot of our articles like Harvard Business Review and publications like that about leadership. And some some people have a theory that leadership isn't really all that important, that it's sort of overrated. Um, but it sounds like you believe in the power of leadership. What does leadership mean to you? What's a good leader? I, there's a lot of ways we can raise that. But I think one of one of the master classes that I teach is on building your culture. And I think that's where leadership ties into your vision of this company and being the visionary to take that business forward as a business owner means that you've got to get clear on how your personality and your style affects the rest of your team. Because there's lots of different leadership styles. Um, yeah. You know, there's dictators and there's hands-off leaders and, and, and everything in between, right? And so once you get a little bit clearer about what kind of business do you want to build and what's the culture of that business and how does your style lead into that or blend into that? Because if you say you want a, a big collaborative work environment and workplace, and yet you personally come in and act like the dictator and demand everyone do it your way and only your way, well, that doesn't leave a lot of room left for collaboration. And so to lead your team, in my mind, is part of building a culture that helps propel the business towards its future goals. And that culture, I'm a big proponent of building culture. It's what reduces overhead, reduces turnover, increases productivity, increases profitability. Culture is, is just a core element that really helps a business become successful. So culture is like we all have, we all know law firms where you go and everybody is miserable. They're, they're afraid of their mm-hmm. boss. You know, nobody likes it. It's just we they all just sort of uh agree that it's miserably here. We're just punching in until we can leave. We we all know there's law firms like that. And then there's is, oh, that, yeah. is that an example of culture? Yes. Yes. That's more of like a traditional staunch you know, think of everyone wearing 
dark black suits, hushed voices, you know, just get your billable hours in. And, and that's, that's one style and, and it's not right or wrong. Some people want to build that kind of a business and that's, that's fine. There are workers who will want to enjoy that environment. It's not for everyone though. Yeah. And then with respect to leadership, I, I think sometimes people get a little confused um, with that. And I think it also depends on their mindset issues that they may have is you don't necessarily have to be nice to everyone. I think a lot of leaders struggle with that is they want all of their employees to like them and they feel like that's a necessary part of having a good culture and being a good leader. What would you say to that? I agree. That's probably one of the number one problems many business owners have as they as they bring on and engage more team. It, it's finding that that medium between being so nice and not really directing the team and being clear with what you want versus the other end of the spectrum of being kind of that dictator. Um, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where if culture is going to happen overnight if you don't pay attention and build it the way you want. And so by being more intentional and being more focused and saying, my personality as a leader is to be maybe hands-off or to really want to build up my team and let them thrive and let them really take this business to the next level you know, those are choices each each individual business owner gets to make, and that's what's going to help them propel the business forward in fast growth. Um, but people struggle with it of of how to find the right mix. I think the first step is understand yourself and then start to hone that skill. I think we were talking about honing skills earlier. I I feel like. Part of being a business owner and leading a business is learning how to hone that skill. Yeah, and something else that comes to mind is the people that feel the need to micromanage. I think you touched on that a little bit earlier, (laughs) right? There's a lot of people like that where they can't, they're so afraid that their employees aren't going to do it right or they're not going to do it the way they do it. And that's something I personally have struggled with is they're not going to do it the way I do it. Um, So you do have to let go of that. Right. If, if unless you want to be a slave to your business forever. Okay, so I will completely admit, it, when I was early on in my career, I started practicing law at 24. I didn't know any better. Um, I got burned by a couple of paralegals that did not a great job on some work product, and I caught the the gruff for it. And I, you know, it was my reputation, and so I became just an absolute micromanager. As a young attorney, I, you know, I, every little thing that the staff did, I would like review and change and all kinds of, you know, just always on top of them. And then it took some time for me to kind of unlearn that habit and to learn to trust. And that's that one of the things that I teach a lot is the art of delegation is not to shove something down someone's throat and force them to do it in a very specific way. Delegation is building someone else up so that they have the confidence they're doing an amazing job and doing it the right way and building up your own confidence that that person you delegated to can do a good job. So delegation takes time. 
but it, it's what can help you get rid of that micromanaging uh, tendency, let's say. Well, Oprah has a good quote that I love. It, she says, hire good people and let them do their jobs. And it, it sounds Amen. wonderful. <laughs> yeah, right? So that means that you have to hire good people and that you have to know yeah. how to hire good people. And it does require you to have some trust in yourself. And this is something that I struggle with myself sometimes, is having the trust that you are that you know how to hire the right people, that you are hiring the right people, so that you can let go, if, so that you can let them do their jobs. And, and that's... So- one of the things that we that that my new book is on is the four pillars of successful business management. Um, it's you know you got to have a plan, you've got to have marketing and sales, you've got to deal with management, you got to deal with financial controls, and in the management portion, a huge part is hiring, how to find and vet the right people to bring on board. And when you bring on board the wrong person, it can set you back several weeks. And, and that's that's on you, the owner, to make sure we're bringing in and hiring the right person. Um, if we want a big collaborative culture and we hire someone who's very autonomous and and doesn't want to doesn't work well with others, well, that person's not going to blend well. It's not going to go so well. Uh, and so you've got to really, again, I, I hate to keep using the word culture, but you want to recruit and hire someone that's going to blend in with your culture that you're building. Otherwise, I, you're going to create conflict. I think something else that's key, too, is taking personal responsibility. That's something that I mm-hmm. focus on a lot more in my life these days. And and I hear a lot in coaching circles. And it's really true. Once you start to realize that you have to take personal responsibility for the way that your business is, and you can't just blame it on the bad employee or, you know, the, the vendor who didn't deliver something on time or, or the judge or whoever, whoever else you're going to blame, mm-hmm. blame things on. You really have to take personal responsibility for the way that your business is and recognize that you need to make some changes. And I think part of that is recognizing when you need help and getting the coaching mm-hmm. that you need. So that brings me to a personal question. At some point you realized that you wanted some help. You started coaching. And then at what point did you think that you wanted to sell your firm? When did that start to become <laughs> a possibility for you? So I was uh, still running my firm, still a trial lawyer, uh, when um, our John Robbins had come to me and said, hey, we think you would do an excellent job helping uh, new attorneys starting their law firms and walking them through a 12-week course. And I, I will be totally honest, my identity was so much of being a trial lawyer, I, I looked at him and I said, I wouldn't be any good at that. And he's like, no, we think you would be. And he saw in me what I didn't at the time see in myself. And I found that I absolutely loved it. I loved helping others. It, it, it helped me really come to realize my why in life is to help make other people's lives better. And being able to help one client, one lawyer, one doctor in a malpractice case, is so much different than helping 
a room full of 250 lawyers or business owners. And I just, I found that I love being able to help more people on their journey because when you help a business owner build a successful, profitable business, it doesn't just benefit that owner. It helps their family, their kids, their staff, their staff's family, their clients, their clients' family. I mean, it just, it, it exponentially helps so many more people. And so I found that I loved the coaching. Uh, and it, at that time, my business had really started taking off and running on its own. I was, uh, by 2013, I was taking three-week-long vacations. And my business was actually re- making more money when I was gone than when I was home. In fact, quick funny story, I came home from one vacation and as owners, we tend to start asking lots of questions, right? And yeah. so I tell my, my team, uh, so what's going on here? And, and how's this coming? And what's going on with the marketing? And, and they, two of my staff literally said to me, Kristen, leave us alone. We know how to do our job. Go on another vacation. And wow. I wish someone would say that to me. <laughs> no, but- you want to know how messed up I was? At first, I was like, oh, you don't love me, right? Like, I, I took it personal. And then I was like, wait a second. These are the best words a business owner could ever hear, right? Yeah. And I did. I left on vacation again. I let them, I let them handle stuff. And, you know, that's an important lesson for, for all the business owners out there. It's so important for you to take vacation. Your, your staff wants you to leave and take vacation and recharge your battery. But also it gives them a chance to step up and it empowers them to handle things and maybe make some decisions and learn to kind of step into their own shoes and, and their own destiny of leading their, the team. And so it's so important to take that time off. Well, I think you sort of train your staff in a way, too, whether it's okay for them to make decisions or not. So if you're constantly micromanaging, then they sort of learn that, well, every time something comes up, I've got to go ask, right? Aren't we sort of training them with our behavior? Yeah, yeah. But I, I have learned in my own experience from and from your coaching that if you let them we'll say put their big girl panties on and go and do it, you know, Mm -hmm. step into the role, they're either going to sink or swim. So if they're a good fit for your firm, they're going to swim. And and it's a wonderful feeling when you see them swim and you realize, I didn't have to micromanage this the whole time. This person (laughs) was perfectly capable of doing all of this. And it really is a good feeling when you see it. And I will also say that when I started having that attitude, I did start hiring better. I started, I won't say it's perfect because sometimes you do just pick the wrong horse, but I will say that I, I think even unconsciously, I started picking different people. I didn't pick the people that I felt like, I think in the past, I picked people that I thought would, um, I don't know, maybe, I don't want to say kowtow, but they would be more submissive. But then mm-hmm. I would be disappointed in them because then I would feel like, why do I have to spoon feed them everything? And it was because I was picking these personalities to work for me. Yeah. And then when I got yeah. really tired of that, because I didn't want to micromanage anymore, I did notice I started hiring different, differently. And I would hire somebody that 
I felt like would maybe they would challenge me on something. Maybe they wouldn't be afraid to express their opinion. Like maybe we should do this a different way. Maybe there's a better way to do this. And I think sometimes business owners, especially ones that like to micromanage, they have some difficulty with that. And that's all mindset. Absolutely. Is that something you work on with your clients? 110%. I would say, you know, staffing is, you know, there's different industries out there that, that some don't need quite as much staff as others. But in almost every business, you need at least a virtual team, at least someone to help get some of those tasks off your plate. And even if you're working with a virtual, learning how to work with staff and growing into your own confidence and, and positioning of, of how you ask for things to be done, how to be clear about what you want to be done, uh, is something that I think business owners, you know, it, it's a skill that they keep sharpening all through their lives. They, it, it, you know, you're never too cool for school. You're always learning and getting better. I know there are people out there going, there is no way I could ever leave my business for any real length of time without me having to be there and micromanage. So start with little things. Um, One of the things that when I'm working with business owners, I suggest, you know, take a three-day weekend um, and don't check in all day on the, say, Friday or the Monday. Put your phone away, be off-grid, your business is not going to implode in one business day. So it, it takes little wins to help build up your own confidence that the staff can handle it, that your business can handle it. Uh, even if you're a solo practitioning attorney, uh, get a coverage attorney who's willing to just handle some phone calls, handle any emergencies that pop up, and, and realize you can take two or three days off. And then after you have that win, then take three or four days and then five or six days. And it's it's about doing it in small increments, building up your confidence that it can happen. What do you think about the people who say, well, I really could use, let's, let's say they need an associate. Oh, I can't afford that. Oh, my God. You know how much I would have to pay them? Because that really is a mindset issue, too. <laughs> it is. It is. Listen, for for technical employees like like associates and paralegals and and in so many other fields, all you should ever be out is about two weeks of salary. Within two weeks, you're going to know either this person is the right person, they're kicking butt and doing amazing and making the business a profit. Meaning, maybe not it's direct, maybe not direct cash at that moment, but it's. They're contributing above and beyond what you're paying them so that the firm is going to profit down the road, or they're not going to be the right fit. And so you cut bait after two weeks. And so the most you're ever going to be out is two weeks of salary. Knowing that gives you some parameters so that you could say, okay, let's orchestrate their first two weeks so they at least make me back what I'm paying them in salary. So in week one, maybe they need to work eight billable hours. They need to get on board, learn how you do things, learn how you file, and do four or five small projects and come up with eight billable hours by the end of week one. 
Then by the end of week two, 12 billable hours, additional hours. So now they're at 20 billable hours. That should cover their first two weeks of salary. Now, if you don't charge hourly, maybe you charge flat fee or contingent or different things in law firms, see if there aren't some small side projects that you can have them work on that might pay hourly. And maybe they can do a consulting or they can do a side project, and that can at least generate the cash so that you can pay for their salary. Then, remember, they still have a ton of additional hours left in their week to help with all kinds of other projects. So this so all, is possible. This all makes perfect sense now, but I remember I, we've grown quite a bit. I remember when I first started hearing this stuff, I was just, I don't know. I just, I don't think it, it was, it was almost like it was beyond my <laughs> comprehension. And I know that John, my partner and I, we would, we would say, oh, there's no way we can do that. Like whatever you were saying, you know, which, which now makes total sense. But the first, you know, 500 times we heard it, we were like, no, we can't do that. And it's really amazing how when you experience it, it, to- it makes sense once you've done it and you have hindsight, right? We always say hindsight mm-hmm. is twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. that you understand. So I would say whatever Kristen tells you to do, just do it. <laughs> She's not going to lead you astray. I would, you know, I absolutely agree that get, surround yourself with coaches and people who have been there, done that. Because they're going to help acclimate you to what's going to be coming. Um, and, and I'm fond of also saying new level, new devil. I, I, I remember when I had to hire another associate. The first associate was scary as all get out to hire. Um, and, and learning to hand off so many projects and to trust another person to do it as well as I did. That took, that took effort. But it, I survived. And then I went to hire another associate, and I found two amazing candidates. And my coaches said, well, that's easy. Hire them both. And I literally was on the phone and I went, like, it sucked all the air out of me. I couldn't even fathom hiring two associates at the same time. And because it was so foreign, it was not, it was not comfortable at all. Did you? Yes. So when you started coaching with how to manage did you, were they telling you things that like what you just said, you were sort of like, no way, yeah. I can't do that. But did you, yeah. did you just get out of your comfort zone and do it anyway? Yes, but with a plan. So here's the thing. I'm a big fan of, you know, everything feels more comfortable if you've mapped it out and on paper, it makes sense with, with a, like a plan and a budget. So hiring both associates, I had to map out okay, this one was going to do this much work, and here's what work I could give him. Here's what I had in the pipeline. Here's how much money he was going to generate. Okay, and then with this associate, she happened to be a female. Here's what I could assign. Did I have enough work? Yes. Could I, you know, what, could I bring in some more cases? Yes. And this is how much she would generate. And so having that clear plan gave me the confidence to move forward into that unchartered territory that seemed so scary at first. But once I saw the plan, I was like, okay, I can do this. So, yes, big, big fan of talk it through with someone, map it out, have that confidence. 
Well, something David Nagel always says is that when you first start doing it, it's uncomfortable. You're out of your comfort zone. But it can't ever become comfortable if you don't do it, right? Which makes total Absolutely. sense. I mean, it makes total sense. Hard to do, though. It's, it's sort of like just jumping yeah. in the pool. So when you coached with, when you started being, working as a coach for how to manage, did you still have your law firm? I did for a while. Uh, for a while, I was uh, working as a part-time coach, uh, teaching some courses in the evenings, uh, running some workshops. Um, and along that journey, my business was just really working well. And I, I can remember when um, I first thought about selling my law firm, and I thought, no, my whole identity is being a lawyer. And then it, it took several months. It wasn't something I, I jumped right into. But I finally realized I could always go back and build another million-dollar law firm. And I knew myself, and I knew that if I tried to coach full-time and have some ownership of the law firm, I would still want to know too much about like what's going on, and, and it would just suck some of my valuable time away from me. And I knew that I wanted to travel I wanted to live a life with no time zones. And so I, after three months, made the decision to sell my law firm. I will share that my policies and procedures manual, uh, which is only about an inch thick, less than an inch thick, it was a $100,000 negotiating point just for that asset alone. Now, I didn't get a full 100000 for just that asset, but I got pretty close. So for all of you that are thinking you need to write policies and procedures, hell yeah. <laughs> Get to writing. It is an asset that becomes saleable when you are ready to move on to the next phase of your life. Yeah, well, I think that the people that um, – it, dep- it really depends where you are in your professional development. If you just started a law firm – it probably seems crazy to you that you could even stop practicing law because I have that conversation with a lot of colleagues where they're running the business, they're somewhat overwhelmed with it, and they're practicing law, and they're having a really hard time doing both, and they'd like to step back from practicing law and run the business, but there's something that holds them back. Maybe it's partly what you said, that you that was your identity, was being a lawyer, mm-hmm. Maybe it's because they it would be hard for them to delegate to other people who won't do things exactly the same way that they would do it. Um, is that something you can help people with with your coaching? Absolutely. I mean, I think there are some people that they thrive on being the technician. And, and we've helped plenty of business owners over the years. Some don't want to do the management. Great. Let's hire a great administrator. Let you enjoy the technical aspect of being a lawyer or a dentist or whatever. Um, for a lot of people, though, they think they do want to just be a business owner, but it seems so foreign to not be that person helping clients. I mean, most of us got into business because we wanted to help our clients or customers, and and we thrive on doing good and, and helping people move forward with their lives. And so when you become a business owner doing just all the management and the planning and the financial controls, Sometimes you feel like you're missing some of that element of personal touch with your clients. And so some people do a split, but that's something you've got to come to terms with. Um, you set some goals. You say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get down to only handling 20 cases. 
this by by say February, and then by April, I'm only going to be in charge of ten files, and I'm going to delegate the rest to other people on my team. And by June one, I'm not going to handle any cases at all. So it's, it's just again, I'm big on create a plan, kind of wean off of it. Don't just walk in tomorrow and say. I'm done and shove it all on somebody else's plate. That's, yeah. That's a bad way of going. That's by. managing by <laughs> abdication. That was something I tried yeah. once too. <laughs> that didn't work out. And yeah, that wasn't good. So just saying, I can't take this anymore. Hey, you <laughs> come over here, you know, and, and just, you know, sh- like I just envisioned myself taking everything off of my desk and just dumping it into a basket and saying, here, <laughs> this is yours now. <laughs> That that's what's called managing by abdication. Yeah, not advisable. Not advisable. But you know, we're all on this journey, and and I think that's part of. And I love that you're doing this program about helping people find their wake up call. And we all have different moments in life where we say, you know what, I'm meant for greater things. I I need to get out of my own way. I need to start living the life I'm meant to live. And for me, it was selling my law firm and becoming a coach. Uh, I worked with an amazing company for a number of years, but then I realized I missed being my own entrepreneurial business owner. I missed being fully involved in charge of growing and building a business. And so earlier this year, I branched out and started another successful business, and it is absolutely amazing and I now get to travel the world and help so many more people it's you know create your own destiny and and run with it yeah and you know back when you started having those thoughts that you wanted to sell the firm that was a fork in the road for you and Mm -hmm. you know you just mentioned wake-up call to me that's when everybody has a wake-up call they probably have several throughout their lives where there's a fork in the road and you can choose to stay where it's comfortable and and just do what's easier or you can choose to just like I said before just jump into the pool just jump into the (laughs) deep end and if you had not selected the other the secondary path you'd probably still be running the law firm. I mean, maybe you'd be traveling, but you life probably wouldn't look a lot different than it did back then. And now you have such a fabulous life. You you posted something on, on Instagram where you spend, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, a third of your time in Paris, a third of your time in Seattle, mm-hmm. and a third traveling. And that's amazing. I think that's something that a lot of people c- couldn't even wrap their brain around. And whoever's listening to it right now might be saying there's no way and, and just kind of turning off that part of their brain. But you can. You can have that. Mm-hmm. So how do you do so, that, Kristen? So let, me, <laughs> let me break it down into a couple of just easy steps for your listeners. And, and I think even if you don't want to travel full time or just, you know, just start small, um, Everybody is capable of doing this. Number one, you know, create a work platform that allows you to travel. So maybe you just tell your boss, hey, I have a project. I'd like to get away for a few days. I want to just be able to spend focused energy dealing with this big project. Go to, a, you know, down to the lake or the river, get an Airbnb in a local, a nearby town. 
um, and go and work. And a good Wi-Fi gets you, you could still check email, you could still do everything. You know, most of the time you can find, create a situation where you can get away for a few days. So you start with something like that. Later you can travel to Paris and London and, I mean, believe it or not, this week I'm in Seattle. A week ago yesterday I was in London. A week ago, or two weeks ago, Thursday, I was in New York City. And three weeks ago, Thursday, I was in Paris. That's my life, but I also have work days. So number two is you plan your work days. Um, this means kind of planning your travel schedule around any key boulders. And you know that, you know, you might be traveling. And I, when I was in London, I had a productive six hours, got up early, shot film, some, filmed some videos for my master class, uh, worked on my blogs and newsletters, uh, responded to some clients that wanted to work with me. And by 2 o'clock, I was out exploring the nearby castle, the nearby palace. So you, you number two, schedule travel around some work days, like have, make a blend. Um, and the third thing is, is surround yourself with a great team. Even if it's just a virtual, um, I even use Magic, which is an app on my phone. Magic can call a car for me, can schedule dinner reservations. Magic does send flowers to people for me. I've never heard um, of that. Oh, I love magic. magic. Magic is magic. I'll have to look that they up. Just, you know, you, you pay for blocks of time, and they keep track of how many minutes they spend, and you say, Magic. Uh, I need to know all of the venues in this area, or I need to find a hotel near this airport. And Magic just takes care of it and finds you the answers. So, um, well, I'm going to have to try. Well, what Magic do the dishes? <laughs> magic can call. Uh, <laughs> do you have Task Rabbit? Do you have Task Rabbit on the East Coast? No, West Coast, I don't. Have Task Rabbit. I haven't heard of that. I have to Task Rabbit on the West Coast is a, a service you can call. You can say, I need somebody to pick up my laundry, my dry cleaning. I need somebody to come to my house and clean. I need someone to come to my house and put up Christmas decorations. I need, you know, a person to do the yard work. And it, it's just like Uber where you, it just pays, you know, the, the credit card on file and you just say, yes, hire this person and they show up and they do it. It's great. I really so, need yes, to invent one of these apps. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry that I didn't invent Uber. <laughs> I need to invent one of these. I'm going to, there's going to be one. <laughs> Although Gary Vaynerchuk always says, you're not going to be the next Uber. <laughs> I say that's nope, negative. you're going to be the next you. <laughs> yes, that's right. I'm going to be the next me. I'm going to be the next Prev. So, okay. So a couple. Back to, I, back to travel. Yeah. You, you can do it. You can, you can work. You can travel. You can enjoy it's all about taking charge of your time and get clear on what you want in life. If you want to uh, be able to work from the south of France for two weeks, um, find a place with good Internet. Reassure your boss or your team you'll be checking in and you'll be working, too. And you go and you work in the mornings and you play in the afternoons. Uh, so, you know, whatever your dream is, Make a plan and make it happen. You can live your dream. I think that's the message, right? Today, you can live mm -hmm. your dream. 
Okay, mm-hmm. so we have a few more minutes left. And I'm going to try to squeeze in these final questions. Okay. Um, okay. I, and I think I had sort of given you a little heads up. What do you think are some of, I, I said the top five, but what are the top few um, things that law firm owners are doing wrong if they want to grow their firm? And maybe this is applicable to other business owners too. Mm-hmm. Number one, they're trying to do too much themselves. It, in our minds, we think rather than hire someone else and pay someone else and have to train them and everything, we think I'll just do it myself. We, we rationalize in our own brain that it's better to just do it ourselves. That's what keeps you stuck. If you want to grow your business, if you want to get to a better place in life where you're enjoying your days and you're enjoying running, being a business owner, you need to hire and leverage, whether a virtual team or in office, it doesn't matter. Find other people that can help you with other tasks. I I would say that's number one. I used to be guilty of that. (laughs) <laughs> we all have <laughs> no judgment Be- because you, you, too. you run out of time. There's only so many hours in the day. You can't do everything. Yes. So number two, um, really hone in on who is your target audience and who you want to work with because life's too short to work with miserable, miserable clients, miserable people, you know, work happy um, or don't go to work if, if you're not happy at work. Um, you know, find a new career if you need to, but, you know, get clear on that target so that you can attract the right kind of people to join you. You can attract the right kind of clients to work with. It's going to make it easier to sell and sign up new clients if we're passionate about helping them with their particular need. Um, if, you know, if you're sitting across from a potential client and you're thinking, I just need the money, but I hate doing this freaking work. Let me just tell you, as a former legal malpractice attorney, this is, like, not going to end well. Like, if you know in your gut you don't want to work with someone, don't enter into the engagement. Like, be clear on who you want to work with and attract your right team, your right, your right ideal audience. So that would be number, number two. That's going to help you with your marketing and your sales. Um, number three. Have a marketing plan. Most people just kind of play uh, rainmaking roulette. They just kind of scatter around and just hope hope it's uh, something's going to work out. And that's sorry, folks, but that's not a great plan. Um, there's plenty of low cost back end marketing things you can do uh, that can bring you more clients. Um, jump on and give people endorsements. Send referrals, uh, give people, like when you see them in the news or on their social media posts, give them the thumbs up, make a comment. This is what can help uh, make this work. So a marketing plan helps. Um, And number four, I would say, is financial control. If you're not profitable, then your business is going to struggle with growth. So... Be a good money manager. And number five, take care of you. If you're not good, you're not good to anyone else. So those are my top five. (laughs) Yeah, well, thank you. Those are big ones. Those are really big ones. Now, I want to hear about, um, I want people to have an opportunity to know about your coaching business now. And what does your program look like? What can you do for us? 
Wow. Well, there are so many different components, but it's, um, it actually boils down to just a couple. We have a member site. Um, if you go to www.thechristendavid.com, uh, you'll see under how we help. There's a couple of different things. We have a member site that's called our Business Mastery College. And for, you know, $197 a month, it's a bunch of master classes, bite-sized nuggets of information to help busy business owners get the information they need and move on. You want to build your culture? We've got a master class for that. You want to learn how to balance the four pillars of successful business management? We've got a master class for that. You want to learn the art of delegation? We've got content on that. So it's, it's one of those things where I know what it's like as a busy business owner, and I'm passionate about helping other business owners learn these techniques so they can start implementing it right away. Um, for other people, they know they need somebody to hold them accountable, to help them build a plan and stay accountable to that plan. And so we do offer one-on-one coaching. Uh, you know, it's not for everyone. Sometimes people just need a, a three-hour strategy session or a VIP day to, like, really get clear. And, and some individuals are great with then executing on their own. Others need a little accountability, Some, someone to kind of kick them in the ass a little when they aren't going direction they need to go so we offer that uh, again I, I think I'm, we're real passionate about helping business owners in the way they need help and that usually starts with a phone call um, listen one of the things the, the book is is on pre-order you mentioned that I'm super excited because that's going to help so many more business owners uh, wanted to share for all of your listeners anyone out there if you want to jump on and pre-order on, on Amazon, great. But if you want some bonuses and a free copy of the book, email me, Kristen, at thechristendavid.com. It's K-R-I-S-T-E-N at thechristendavid.com. And I am going to give you guys, hook you guys up. Christina, this is an ode to you and to your listeners. Like, you've got a rocking platform of helping remind people to live life to their fullest. And I hope they take that challenge. And every week, every Friday, they're jumping on listening to you. Um, So I want to bonus them a bunch of free goodies, a free copy of my book, if you know, when it releases on January 14th. So anybody that wants a copy, and the bonuses, email me, and we'll hook you up. That's so awesome. And I can say personally that Kristen will absolutely keep you accountable. She's not one of those softy coaches that's just going to give you a to-do list at the end of your session and then say, bye, see ya. She's, and, but she's not mean. <laughs> she's compassionate, but she is going to hold you accountable. I've heard some stories. We don't have time now to get into it, but she will absolutely hold you accountable. I will post this show on my Facebook page. It's at the Prev on Facebook and also on Instagram. But I will have all of your information available to my listeners if people want to find you, if they want to find your book and reach out to you and get more information about how they can work with you. Thank you so much for all of this information, for sharing all your personal tidbits. I really appreciate it. And I have to thank you for all the help that you've given me over the years. And I'm happy to see that you're going to be helping other people. Aw, so, thank you. I've loved being on and 
Thank you, Absolutely. Kristen. Your journey is continuing as well. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Wake Up Call with Christina Previtt. Have a great day.